on today's show. You might not have seen it coming. Frankly, nobody did. But a saint, a new saint arrived for the San Diego Padres this year. A spark they needed all season that they didn't get from their big superstars, but instead from a very certain man. And that is Gary Sanchez continuing the player review series, talking about what went right, what went wrong, whether or not the Padres should resign him, and of course, canonizing him as a saint. Let's get into it. You are locked on Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, November 13th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can find me on Twitter over at Javapeno at uh, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O or at L-O underscore Padres or Lockdown Padres on YouTube to see whatever shirt I'm rocking. It is a fellow with his fist bumping in the air, and it is a reference to a very certain anime. Let me tell you. Leave a comment below if you know what I'm talking about, and I will, I don't know, send you very good vibes. Send you very good vibes, guys. Um, Of course, as always, thank you for making us your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, and today's episode is brought to you by our pals over at Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing with a personal supply of Supply supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. You don't want you don't want supply. Let me tell you. You want supply, you know, with the P. You know, supply? Ooh, we don't talk about supply. Let me tell you. We not ooh, we never want to talk about that. Guys, let's talk about Gary Sanchez. And this is arguably one of my favorite player reviews I've done in a while, um, frankly, just because it's it's one of the very few unexpected things uh, that happened for the Padres this year. I think that there were, you know, you had some unexpected things. I think that the the emergence of Michael Waka, the emergence of Seth Lugo was pretty out there. I think, to a small degree, the way that Tom Cosgrove, low-key, out of the bullpen, was very good for the team this year. The way that Fernando Tatis Jr., who, of course, won himself a platinum glove this weekend. Oh! And anyone who follows me on Twitter, my bad for not seeing the news. I went to bed really early on Friday. I was tired. And they announced it at like 11.45 at night. And I was like, okay, great. Thanks, guys. But um, Shasta Tatis for that platinum glove. Well-earned, well-deserved. And it is crazy that we went from those spring training videos of him dropping balls in the outfield and everyone making fun of him because it became cool to make fun of one of the most exciting players in the sport this year for whatever reasons that are arbitrary mostly to winning a platinum glove. Absolutely astounding. It's the first time. I think they said it's like the first time that it wasn't Nolan Arenado winning the platinum glove in like 10 years, something like that. So shouts to our guy. But today's not about him. Today is about Gary Sanchez, who the Padres took on kind of a whim. They kind of had to. That's what's so fascinating about the Gary Sanchez story. It all starts, obviously, with the Yankees, um, unfortunately, because we hate the Yankees on this podcast, of course. But What's what's so crazy is that this guy has had such a weird career um, because he started off incredible. He put up 3.1 F4 in only 53 games his first year, which for a catcher is obscene. He looked like he was going to be the next like Johnny Bench super slugger catcher, Brian McCann at worst, right? Like one of those guys. He looked amazing. 
He had a slash line of 299, 376, 657 with a 170 WRC plus and 53 games for the Yankees that year. And you're like, okay, all right, yeah, he's a top prospect, but, but you know, it's a small sample size. Then the next year in 122 games, 276, 345, 531 slash line, 131 WRC plus, 4.3 F4. The guy looked like a superstar for years to come. And then everything got bad after that. Everything got bad. And part of that is what I think is kind of what's so annoying but also fascinating about baseball, which is that, you know, there's there's guys that blast onto the scene very often in baseball. It doesn't always stay that way. And that's because baseball is about adjustments. I mean, people are smart, man. And there's more data and more video and technology than ever that people figured out how to face him is the one ex- uh, explanation for it, right? As well as some some troubling defensive developments. If you look at his Fangraph's defensive rating, he was positive for a while. And then he dips a little bit. It was just a little bit shaky. He wasn't that great. The year after that 4.3 F4, he put up 1.8 in 89 games when he hit below 200, which was crazy. Um, and by the way, he hit 33 home runs that second year for the Yankees. Just the power has always been there for Gary. And then basically for the rest of his career, if you look at batting average, every year after that, the 186, like I mentioned, then 232, 147, 204, 205. And you might think, well, that doesn't tell the full story, right? And it doesn't, for sure. But his on-base percentage also declined dramatically. He did not walk nearly as much as he did in the beginning of his career, but mostly his strikeout rate just absolutely skyrocketed. Never went below um, 25% for years after that, right? And that was part of the problem. Now, don't get me wrong. Gary Sanchez, I think what's so weird about him is also after this, he kept being an every-other-year guy. If you look at WRC+, Plus, like I mentioned, the 131 was his second year, the 90, 116, 69, then 101, then 89, and then this year with a 111. Very other-year guy, every-other-year guy. And I think that while it's reasonable to say we shouldn't have expected those first two years to be uh, what he was going to do for the rest of his career, considering that he was a strikeout-prone guy, considering that it's not necessarily like he was the most incredible athlete we've ever seen at the catcher position, especially not on the level of your Johnny Bench or, heck, even like Joe Mauer or Buster Posey from our time in terms of great catchers or Yadier Molina to a certain extent. He just didn't have that ability, and it just it panned out, and then he became the butt the 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 butt end of like every joke in New York as someone who hears New York people all the time. And frankly, just because it's the Yankees, you hear about it no matter what um, uh, fan base you're part of or um, what's the word, what market you're in. It just became this huge thing and everyone would blame him. And don't get me wrong, he had a lot of bad moments and he would have defensive miscues that were just so puzzling. You know what I mean? He would have these weird past balls that would get past him, right? And he would have his defensive run saved plummeted. He had negative two, negative four, negative 10, Negative 10 in 2021, and that was the last straw, I think, for the Yankees. But he, of course, got a little bit better as time went on. And I think what I mean by get better is not necessarily becoming an amazing player, but just fundamentally, like, I think that people have come to accept and understand what Gary Sanchez is. And what that is is a decent player who can absolutely hit for power and a guy that you have to you have to compare to other catchers. As I've mentioned before, the average WRC plus for all catchers among Major League Baseball this year was 89. Not a position you're going to get a lot from, right? I think it was actually might have been lower than that. You just don't get a lot from it. Catchers is where they're game managers. There's there's so many other variables that make them valuable with defense and 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 framing and pass balls and blocks above average and throwing out runners and all that sort of stuff that make catchers important. And if you're just like an average batter, if you put up that 100 WRC plus that's a huge advantage for a team, and it makes you a lot better than other catchers. And what's so funny is that 
Gary Sanchez, it wasn't just the Padres that took a shot on him. It was actually the Mets, too, for a little bit until their big prospect, Francisco Alvarez, gets called up. And then they don't have any need for him anymore. And they said, all right, we're just going to chill with, like, Tomas Nito uh, as our backup defensive specialist catcher when Francisco Alvarez doesn't play. And that didn't end up working out for them, but it wasn't because of Francisco Alvarez. The Mets were just a mess this year. So then the Padres pick him up, and they pick him up because they... They had the injury to Austin Nola, and they had the issues with Luis Campizano. Like it, or I'm sorry, um, Austin Nola wasn't playing well, and then you had the injury to Luis Campizano that kept him out for a bit. And they need to take a chance on someone. And at the time, even I, even I, being a Dumbo, basically mentioned, "Look, I, this guy hasn't worked like anywhere else, and it shows you how desperate the Padres are to be signing a guy like this." And I think I was wrong to an extent. I'm going to say that I was 88 percent wrong. On that take, the 11% is because I do still think that the fact that the Padres had to resort to signing guys off of waivers because both of their catchers, one was hurt, another one wasn't any good, and then Austin Nola was just um, a mess, and then Camisano was hurt, and all that stuff, right? That I just thought it was it was deeply foreboding. I do stand by that, but I was dead wrong about Gary Sanchez because he was canonized a saint by me basically like two weeks into his uh, time with the Padres. If people forget, man. He was like it, he was such a breath of fresh air for a team that's filled with so many damn superstars. For this guy to come in and be a pretty dang good catcher for them and hit for a crap ton of power almost immediately was a godsend. It really was, and that's why I call him a saint. It felt like he came in and was here to save the Padres. It was absolutely remarkable, uh, really, um, what he did. And what he did, we're going to talk about it in a little bit more granular of a detail. But first, guys, but first... I need to take a second to talk to you about our friends over at Jace Medical. I mentioned them at the top of the podcast, guys, and here's the deal. Look, I mean, I've said this before. Look, you know, we love we love talking about all this stuff together. But sometimes you have to watch out for yourself and your health in all seriousness. Seriously, I mean, you've got pandemics. You've got the world is a crazy place. And maybe if you're traveling international or whatever, Jace is there to help you out by supplying you with the medications that you need. It's very, very cool. You go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. And remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout for a discount as well. And here's from a verified customer that had to say this about Jace. I am thankful for the service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut pills in half to have it. I ordered most of my daily meds with a year supply. I also ordered an antibiotic kit. I feel secure now. Prices are local than Nolico pharmacies. I highly recommend this for everyone. There you go. And also what's really cool about Jace is they're adding new medications um, to the case. Um, and they're, they, you know, it's customizable. It's not just five one size fits all. Just hop on a call with one of their licensed care professionals and they'll help recommend the medications for you. If you or someone you love would like to get some peace of mind, remember, by having a year's supply of any daily med, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Ladies and gentlemen, remember to use that promo code though, locked on for $20 off your purchase. Go check it out. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Lockdown Padres podcast. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. We are free and available, of course, on all platforms. Let's get into Gary. Let's get into Gary, ladies and gentlemen. On a more granular level, what went right for him this year? And I think a decent amount went right. Just, don't get me wrong. He didn't play like a full season. Most catchers don't. 
even by you know his standards, he's usually like a you know 120 game type of guy. In 75 games this year, and compare this to the previous year when Gary Sanchez he hit 205, 282, 377 with an 89 WRC plus, good for a 1.3 F4 across 128 games, and he smacked 16 home runs. For the Padres, in just almost half that, almost like like maybe like a, a third of no, hold on, how do I do this? Like one third of that. I can't do math. 75 games compared to 128 games, whatever percentage that is, whatever. In that amount of time, Gary Sanchez hit 272, 217, I'm sorry, 288 with a 492 slugging and a 111 WRC plus. And the WRC plus is key, clearly better than the average catcher when it comes to offense. And he smacked 19 home runs in nearly like 50, it's 53 less games than he did throughout all of last year with the Twins. And it's not like the Twins are no are a team not known for power. I mean, you can hit a, a pretty decent over at that park, right? Like, the Twins are kind of known for hitting for a lot of home runs lately, especially over the past few years. And that's what Gary did, man. And it started immediately. I was immediately proven wrong about my take. First game, two for four with a home run and three RBIs. He then hits a home run three games later. Then he hits a home run two games after that. And then the game after that, Two games without a home run, and he hits another home run. He basically started that that first like stretch, basically for Gary Sanchez. He was just on absolute fire from June first to June. What is it, thirteenth? He hit two fifty, three hundred two on base percentage, and a six seventy five slugging percentage with fourteen RBIs, five home runs. It was incredible stuff. It was absolutely phenomenal, and I I enjoyed every moment of it. And I think that if you look at and and of course. He calmed down after that. He had a high on base percentage. He was walking. He was hitting for average. And, of course, it declined uh, very rapidly. But not to the point where I think you have to ignore the rest of his season. That was only, what was it, five home runs? He managed to smack 14 more in the rest of that um, time frame for the rest of the season for the Padres. And, of course, you had Luis Campizano, too, who was also, like, an incredible, like, just switching between them two. Having that sort of platoon was amazing. And I think that when you look at some of the numbers... There's not anything crazy that changes, in my opinion, only because it was a little bit smaller of a sample size. But if you were to look at it, out of zone swing percentage, down by 2.2%, first pitch swing percentage, down by 8.3%, and first pitch strike percentage, down by 4.6%. In zone percentage was up a little bit, and he wasn't swinging at too much stuff. His Even his whiff percentage went down by 3.2%. Again, it's a smaller sample size, so it's hard for me to say if he found out something. But that's basically what happened here. He even managed to up his launch angle a little bit. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Gary didn't get a little bit lucky. Again, it was a small sample size. He's age 30. It just seems very rare for a player like this who's been in the league for a while to suddenly get better at age 30. That just doesn't really happen all that often. And yes, there are some not you know so amazing things. His BABIP was low, but his home run fly ball rate is basically what made him so great. Everything that he was hitting into the air, more or less, was becoming like doubles, extra bases, and most importantly, home runs. Um, if you look at his infield fly ball rate, this season, if I'm not mistaken, it was like 7% higher uh, than re- than regular, if I'm not mistaken. Let me see if I can find that really quickly. Where is it? Uh, home run fly ball rate. That's it. Uh, last year, it was 13.3%. This year was 23.2%. Don't get me wrong. He's had numbers up there before, but considering the trend of Gary not being all that effective of an offensive player, at least consistently, it... You know, it shows you like, okay, maybe this was a little bit of a fluky year, but I don't think it was entirely fluky because he's always been a player that can hit for power. It's not like he's Austin Nola, who all of a sudden in 75 games hit 15 home runs. 
You know what I mean? Like, this is a player who is known for hitting for power, so I don't think it would be that crazy to expect him to be able to do it again. And most importantly, was absolutely not bad as a defensive player. Last year with the Twins, he had one defensive run save, which certainly isn't that bad. Year before that, negative 10. Like I mentioned, he was a negative for a lot of those years. I think that negative 10 is why the Yankees were just totally down on him. His pitch framing wasn't incredible, but seven defensive runs saved, according to Fangraphs. And in general, if you look at his StatCast profile, in the top percentage of pop time, he's always had that ability to throw out runners at second base, and he threw out a lot of them this year. Framing was in the 64th percentile. Caught stealing above average when the 76th percentile. Blocks above average wasn't as great in the 31st percentile. But even still, if he was doing that with his bat, all he has to do is be okay defensively. And I think that's always the question. With Gary Sanchez, just don't make any weird mistakes, and we're good. And I think that Gary Sanchez is a player that you don't feel great about if he's your number one no matter what catcher, but you feel much better if he's either your number two or you have a guy that's just as good as him and you kind of do this platoon thing that the Padres had. And it was a dream situation. And don't get me wrong, it wasn't all perfect. Like I said, on top of the home run fly ball, on top of the fact that he did really cool off significantly, um... He had some miscues this year, and I think that one of the biggest ones was the fact that uh, not the best, in, uh, like the rest of the Padres, with um, runners in scoring position. He hit 232, which isn't that bad, but more importantly, in high leverage situations compared to medium and low leverage situations, he hit 118 in high leverage situations this year in 20 at-bats. Granted, it's 20 at-bats, and I also think that it's not that fair necessarily to get super mad at a catcher for not being your superstar, like drive everybody in type of player. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that's entirely fair, but he, you know, it's it still needs to be brought up that just like the rest of the team, he did flounder a little bit. There were games when he was the final out and it was like three strikes and he's done. But even still, you got to give him credit because he jumped out and helped the team early. Like, the, just because you don't always succeed in high leverage doesn't mean you're a bad player, especially if the rest of the team, frankly, was pretty bad in high leverage situations. And with Gary, he was the guy that was jumping us out to leads sometimes in like the first inning. And it was such a godsend. And that's why I called him a saint. That's why I kept calling him St. Gary. Because compared to Austin Nola, who it felt like it was a miracle if the ball went into the air at all. It was amazing. And I know again, I don't want to be too mean on Nola because we found out that he was injured and had the eye thing. Again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying what was being produced on the field. I, I'm glad that we have a reason for it. And I feel bad about having called him a Nepo baby. That joke was mean. But, again, um, just seeing that all year, seeing the fact that, in my opinion, it was annoying that they never gave Luis Campuzano enough of a shot, and then bringing in Gary Sanchez, it was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I was super happy about it. It was so great to see him. He had some big, big games where he's hitting like for like six RBIs on the team. Uh, one, one comes to mind. What was it? Let me see if I can find it really quickly. What day was it? What day was it? What day was it? What day was it? I'm trying to remember. Ah, I remember. It was against the. It was against the 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 the. What are they called? The Mariners, and then the Rockies the next day. Five RBIs, just absolutely covering, uh, carrying the team in that regard. It was great, man. It was absolutely great. And don't get me wrong, there were times when he swung at pitches that you were like, "What the heck is this? This is very Jorge Alfaro like." No disrespect. No t disrespect to the Alfaro necessarily, but Alfaro did have some at bats last year where you were like what the heck is going on here and then you would have the most clutch what do you have seven game winning hits and then he said the let's f and go san diego but aside from alfaro gary sanchez is the most fun 
that I mean him and Luis Capizano. This is the most fun it's been to cover Padres catchers since I've been covering the Padres, uh, frankly, on this podcast. And he was absolutely incredible for what you were expecting. You got him for nothing, and it was great. It was absolutely great. But the big question as well is whether or not the Padres should resign him. Should they bring him back? And can they bring him back? It's an important question, guys. And we're going to conclude all of this about this Gary Sanchez episode in just a minute, but a couple words from our sponsors. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Lockdown Padres podcast. As always, thank you for making us your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. If I sound like I'm a little bit out of breath, by the way, I don't know why, but I do feel like I'm out of breath. I don't know what's going on. This is what I guess just talking about Gary excites me. What can I say? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. It would not cost all that much to bring back Gary Sanchez. And frankly, it would be really cool because if you brought him back, it'd be kind of cool to be like, you know, we've got these two catchers that we can kind of rely on and go back and forth between them, especially if you're worried and we'll have to see about Padres spring training. Hopefully the training staff, they can work things out. If Luis Campisano isn't very good defensively, then it's nice to have Gary behind the plate. And Gary is at worst, in my opinion, going to be like a slightly below average defender. I think that's at his worst. And if he's able to hit you like 25 home runs for a catcher, if he gives you like that 105, at worst, again, at worst, if he gives you like a 105 WRC plus with like 25 homers, I'm not really going to care all that much about the walks because remember, this is a catcher. This is a guy who's going to be lower in your lineup and unless he gets hot then maybe you move him up a little bit that's what you do and I would love to have him and I'd love to have that combo attack with Luis Campisano but in fairness Austin Alou was hurt this year he was hurt this year and I just think that they're going to bring him back I think that he's going to be the backup catcher I can't imagine a world in which they don't give Luis Campisano the starting catcher priorities but also, Nola, in fairness, as a backup catcher, if he's got his eyes and everything f- uh, figured out and he's he's healthy and all that, not the worst backup catcher in the league, but that's what he should be, a backup catcher. Um, because another thing about Gary Sanchez is the team just started playing better when he got there, and Blake Snell literally started entering his Cy Young uh, Snellzilla mode right when they brought in Gary Sanchez. And that's why, this is why, I don't like doing the whole thing where, oh, the pitchers don't like catching, they don't like this catcher for him and all this stuff. Because Gary Sanchez, a lot of guys didn't like him. Garrett Cole didn't like him. And look what happens. They move him over to a near the pitcher. Sometimes it changes. He actually started hitting on like Austin Nolan, his 30 WRC plus that he put out this year. And the Pirates said, all right, let's, let's, we got it. I mean, he's, he's helpful. Like you're going to pitch for him. And guess what? Snell was great with him. In fact, he was so good that there were times that Snell wasn't throwing all that great. And Gary was just stealing strike calls for him. It was awesome. The framing was really good for Gary Sanchez this year. So like. I think that it can translate. I really do. And I think that while, don't get me wrong, I'm not expecting those early years from the Yankees. Frankly, I don't even know if I'm expecting what he did this year in the 75 games. But the bottom line is, like, as a backup catcher to Luis Campisano, I would absolutely like to do it. The only problem is, I think that he's going to have a little bit of a market. Catcher is always just such a shallow position. It's so hard to find, like, good free agent catchers. You know what I mean? Like, you're just not really going to find it. Um, all that often. So as a result, I can see some teams being like, in order to pay up and potentially get yourself a starting catcher that you could win with and a guy who isn't going to be a negative defensively and can hit for power, be an above average catcher, um, and much better than uh, other catchers in terms of offense. I think the problem is that... <laughs> I think the problem is that... Um, 
I think some teams are probably going to offer multi-year deals. And I'm not sure with all the payroll cuts and everything what exactly the Padres can afford. You know what I mean? I don't know what's going to happen here. I think that there's a lot of teams that may overpay. Don't get me wrong. Uh, there will be some other catchers out there that people are interested in. There's some up-and-coming catchers. You know, you have Gabriel Marino who broke out this year. Already mentioned Francisco Alvarez. you got Adley Rutschman. You've got the Braves with two great catchers, right? Like, there are a lot of um, um, teams that are a little bit more, um, what's the word? Like, they figured, they're, they're a little bit more figured out, I think is the word, right? And, you know, Mitch Garver, he might attract some attention. Our former friend, Victor Caratini. But for the most part, I don't see all that much intrigue around the free agent catchers. If they were to lose him, I wouldn't mind taking a flyer on someone like Yasmani Grandal. Just bring him back. He's coming home, coming home. I wouldn't mind it as a backup catcher. So here's the thing. If the Padres aren't able to re-sign Gary Sanchez, be excited about Luis Campuzano and say, you know what, let's take a flyer on the second guy. And if at worst, the big thing this year is that Luis Campuzano broke out, so not bringing back Gary Sanchez isn't like the doom and gloom, right? I would love him back because I just, I, I just the vibes were really good with him and I liked having him on the team. But it's not the end of the world if they don't bring him back. And overall, I give Gary Sanchez a season, a B plus, because I just think that he excelled in ways that the Padres needed and showed up a lot more than other players. The fact that, uh, guys, I'm, I'm I'm scared to say what I'm about to say. I really am. I, I'm, I'm nervous. I am, frankly, be bewildered um, to say this. But the fact that Gary Sanchez, in 75 games, had 47 RBIs, and Xander Bogarts had 58 in 155 games. Holy, you know, like, oh, man. I mean, that just, and that's only one player, right? Like, that's only one player. And that shows you just how bad they were at driving in runs this year. But, man, um, I was really wrong about him. I was really wrong. He's 30 years old. I don't think that the power will necessarily go away at age 30. But I'm just saying, I think there might be some teams out there who might say, we'll give you, like, two years 20 million. You know what I mean? Like, I could see a world in which they do that. Heck, guys, I've seen Mike Zunino after one decent year. And that was a guy who was historically, like, even worse than Gary Sanchez when it came to his strikeout propensity and the fact that if he wasn't hitting for power and wasn't hitting at his top thing, that he was going to be, like, a super negative player. I've seen that guy get, like, big contracts before, or at least big by comparison, relatively speaking. So, I just think that there might be other teams that could overpay and do something like that. And I'm not saying that two years, 20 million is like the worst thing in the world. It's just a number I'm throwing out. The problem is that like the Padres with their payroll reduction and the fact that they have so many other things to figure out, the fact that they don't have necessarily all that many players that they can get, they can offload, can't offload Bogarts. You can't offload Darvish. You can't offload Manny Machado. You can't offload Tatis and you shouldn't. They can really only move Soto and Kim, right? So because of all that, because of the payroll things, it's going to be hard. And I think that if this is the area where you have to save money, I don't mind saying, you know what, Austin Ella, if he's healed and everything, it's okay to have him as a backup catcher. You could do worse. At least theoretically, maybe. You know what I mean? Like, maybe you could do worse, right? Like, I, I hope, but again, I wouldn't mind taking a flyer on some of those, those Yasmani Grandal guys, especially for like a one-year deal. I wouldn't mind. Heck, bring Jorge Faro back. All I'm saying is they have to improve bullpen a lot more because they're going to lose Hader. They got to figure out some starting pitching, which I think that they might have to do in a trade. They have to figure out what's going on with the first base and Cronenworth and all that. They got to figure out what they're doing with Soto. I don't think this is necessarily the biggest priority. But man, and again, I'm sorry for being so out of breath. I don't know what's going on with me right now. I keep having to like breathe after every sentence I say. 
Very odd. Very odd. Um, but I'm okay. We power through out here. Because that's what Gary Sanchez did this year. He powered through. Despite getting dumped by the Yankees. Getting dumped by the Twins. And then getting dumped by the Mets before he even had a chance. He came to the Padres and did a lot. And don't get me wrong, like I said, high leverage, he wasn't great. But it could be a lot worse. It could be a whole lot worse. And I think that this is a good example of um, how crazy it's been covering the Padres. Because this is a team that everyone who gets here gets worse. And in my opinion, giving the character that Gary Sanchez is, hilarious quotes back in the day, weird personality, I the way he bats, the everything, the release, the Kraken thing, the fact they became a meme, the whole like when they asked him about the Jose Altuve, him not wanting to lift his shirt, and if the Astros were cheating, he's like, if that was me, I, I would take my whole cl- all my clothes off or whatever the heck he said. Funny guy in his own way, a little bit of a, almost an enigma of a personality in a, in a strange sort of way. Um it's 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 so hilarious and so unequivocally a Gary Sanchez thing for him to be one of the only batters that got better when going to the Padres. It is so rare. You know what I mean? Like it never happens and it's hilarious that it did for us. And that's where we are, right? Again, I just think it's so freaking funny that this is the one of the only guys. Not Frazier, not Josh Bell, not um Brandon Jury, not Juan Soto initially. Not Xander Bogarts, not, um, what's, what's another example, right? Like, I can't even think of it. Not Tommy Pham, right? And it's Gary Sanchez who got better. Baseball's beautiful sometimes, man. What can I say? But with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. For this week, I'm going to be doing some fun um, discussions. Um, I think that we're going to talk about some potential trade candidates, because I think that that's one of the things with the Padres, is I think that in order to improve the team, it's going to be a little bit hard with the payroll reduction for them to add some players. So I'm going to tell you about one that I want to talk about. Just throw it out in your mind. What do you all think about trading for Devin Williams? Oh, oh yeah. Brewers may be having a fire sale. Oh, yeah. I know you're listening or watching. You're like, ooh, that would be fun. We, did, we have a history with trading with the Brewers, so we could probably do it again, right? The Airbender? I don't know. You ain't a free agent yet. But that's only one example of guys that we're going to be talking about. We're still going to be doing the player review series. We're going to have my buddy Millard on at some point to do some end of season superlatives. We're going to react to whoever the new manager is. We're going to react to whatever trades happen. And we're going to break down the free agent class as a whole. And then also talk about specific players um, that I think the Padres should go for. Specific trade targets. Don't worry, man. We're still cooking out here. All y'all going to be cooking soon when Thanksgiving's around, but don't worry, the Lockdown Padres podcast always is cooking, ladies and gentlemen, no matter the holiday, no matter the day, no matter the season. With that all being said, that about does it for the podcast. Stay safe, and of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.